vocals, uh, Austin Sharda on drums, Rick Housen on guitar, Julie Garland on keyboard, and Tess Rowland on vocals as well. So praise God for their contributions. Uh, let's pray. Lord, it is good to be in your house and worshiping together online. Uh, thank you that your word is not chained or limited, Lord. Let your word speak through me and into our hearts and to affect our lives and uh, uh, help us to be salt and light in this world which needs you so much. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, fall. It's officially autumn as of this past week. Leaves are turning color. Harvests are coming off the fields. Or shipment of little orange nightlight bulbs arrived to provide a fallish accent in our windows. Time to break out the cornstalk and pumpkin decorations. Before long, children will be dressing up pretending to be cute animals or goblins and princesses or maybe more current superheroes from the movies. Leaves change their colors, revealing the truth about the structure when the chlorophyll is missing. It's fun for kids to dress up and pretend to be somebody else, but adults don't appreciate it when we pretend to be something we're really not. The truth about our real inner state is lacking. In the church, we call it hypocrisy. And it's one of the biggest problems that puts non-churchgoers off going to church. They might say, oh, so-and-so heads off to church every Sunday like clockwork, but you sure don't want anything to do with them Monday to Saturday. Pretending is basically lying about who we really are. There's a gap between life and lip. In the early church in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira pretended they were giving all the proceeds of a sale of land to the apostles when really they were holding some back. Pretending didn't work out well for them as they were struck dead instantly. There's a bit of the pretender in all of us. Bishop Warren Candler was preaching to a large audience using as his text this story of Ananias and Sapphira who lied to God and were struck dead. The old bishop roared, God doesn't strike people dead for lying like he used to. If he did, where would I be? This got a laugh from the audience. Then he retorted, I tell you where I would be. I would be right here preaching to an empty house. The prophet Isaiah preached to the southern kingdom of Judah from about 740 to 681 BC during the reign of Ahaz and good king Hezekiah. Things were still going fairly well in the southern kingdom, unlike the north, which was conquered by Assyria in 722 BC. But the religious practices of the people were hollow. They were just going through the motions. Yes, they even practiced fasting, going without food for periods of time, some even dressing in sackcloth to show their piety. But God was not fooled by their pretending. Jesus quoted Isaiah addressing the hypocritical Pharisees and teachers of the law in Matthew 15:8, a classic summary of pretend religion, religion just for show. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In Isaiah 58, the prophet describes the hollow religious practices by which people pretended to be devout. They seemed to be sincere. Isaiah 58, 2. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that 
does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Yet the Lord, through Isaiah, unmasks their pretense. He identifies how their behavior does not match up with their religious exercise. Verses 3 to 5. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Quarreling and strife, that's verbal abuse. Striking each other with wicked fists, that's physical abuse. They were exploiting their workers, not treating them fairly. So beyond all their religious rituals, they were being abusive, aggressive, exploitive, taking advantage, not treating others fairly. They professed to be loving God, but were most certainly not loving their neighbor. Isaiah, in this passage, calls them on their failure, pointing out their hypocrisy. Then he specifically challenges them to 12 ways they could be fasting more genuinely by caring for others. Then the Lord holds out a dozen promises that could apply to them if they changed their ways. They were prodded to other-centered fasting and offered promised blessings for obedience. These are our next two sections, following which we have a short video from International Justice Mission for this Freedom Sunday. First, prodded to other-centered fasting. The prophet outlines a dozen ways people could begin to fast in a manner that pleased God, instead of just being stuck in their empty religious formalism. The cross of Jesus has two dimensions, vertical, the upright post, and horizontal, the beam for the arms. These symbolize Jesus' greatest commandment, if you think about it, to love God vertically and love one's neighbor as oneself. Real fasting doesn't ignore the horizontal dimension of life, doesn't ignore one's neighbor while focusing solely on our vertical relationship with God. The two are interconnected. God wants us to show our love for him by loving our neighbor as well. The 12 prods begin in verse 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? One, to loose the chains of injustice. Two, to untie the cords of the yoke. Three, to set the oppressed free. And four, break every yoke. Number one, loose the chains of injustice. In our call to worship, the pastor Rob gave from Isaiah, we saw how important justice is to God's servant in chapter 42. More specifically, God's servant Jesus is looking forward to. What's right? What's fair? Are people being treated with respect, dignity, and equality? Numbers two and four deal with untying and breaking yokes. Bonded slavery is a major yoke around the world today. People can't afford to pay bills, so sell themselves or their family members, maybe sometimes too, into indentured servitude. Often to jobs that pay so poorly 
there's simply no way they'll ever get free. More about this from International Justice Mission later. Number three, set the oppressed free. There are many forms of oppression, some right here in Canada. Those who struggle with mental health can feel very oppressed. Who do you know that's struggling with a burden? Isaiah 58, 7 continues, Is it not to, five, share your food with the hungry, and to, six, provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you, number seven, see the naked to clothe him, and number eight, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. There's a lot of harvest coming off these days. This past week, we were blessed with some beautiful fall weather. Around the countryside, you may see some Canadian Food Grains Bank grow projects. That's one way we do number five, share our food with the hungry. This past week, I and others delivered a dozen food baskets uh, here in the community in the area. Our announcements outline a way that we can share our garden produce through Charmaine Ben with a food bank in Toronto that supplies hungry immigrant families. And some people have already been bringing in their garden produce, thanks to those who have already responded. Number six, providing shelter. Some of you have been on builds in El Salvador with Shelter Canada. Our church has collected items for the women's shelter in Goderich. Number seven, clothe the naked. Our local thrift stores not only provide economical clothing, but also empower charitable agencies like here in Christian School in Clinton. Number eight, not to turn away from our own flesh and blood. Do we have family members or relatives that are hard hit, need a loan, or maybe some time for listening and emotional support? What about our relatives in the nursing home? I have to make an appointment to go visit my father-in-law again. Skip down to verses 9b and 10 for the last four prods. If you do away with Number nine, the yoke of oppression with a number 10, pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you, 11, spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and 12, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Note, oppression comes up again in a couple of these. The hungry are emphasized again. Number 10 is pointing finger and malicious talk. It's easy to become condemning toward our health and government officials when we become grumpier under renewed restrictions with the second wave of coronavirus. And the Bible reminds us to instead pray for those in authority. Or are we tempted to point the finger at those who've lost their jobs and are getting by through serve, who, who can't find work currently? Who might you have a malicious attitude towards? Who's ticked you off most recently. Succession uh, promised blessings for obedience. There's not just a dozen prods or challenges. In this passage, the Lord also outlines a dozen promises of blessings. He'll pour out on those who are obedient, those who refuse to become rebellious and just do as they please. Let's list them. First in uh, verse 8, Then your light will break forth, like the dawn. B, your healing will quickly appear and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
Verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and he will say, here am I. Let's just pause and reflect on those. Light instead of darkness, glumness, confusion. Healing, body and soul. The coronavirus crisis and social isolation seem to have aggravated the opioid crisis, for example. So many dying from overdoses. Righteousness. Your good reputation will even precede you. People start to recognize you as someone who stands for what's right and good and wholesome. The glory of the Lord is your rear guard. Well, the image there is like the pillar of cloud and fire guarding the Israelites on their flight from Pharaoh's army out of Egypt and protecting them in the wilderness. Calling for help and having the Lord answer. In other words, He responds to prayer, even with the readiness of a helpful household servant saying, I'm here. Lately, we received a free Google Nest Mini. It's a small smart speaker through an offer from Spotify. We've been having fun saying, hey, Google, what's the weather? Or, hey, Google, make a phone call. Or, hey, Google, tell me a joke. What kind of clothing do dinosaurs in Canada wear in the winter? A Jurassic Parka. Oh, that's thanks, Google. The Lord wants our relationship with Him to be that ready in asking and responding, just to be able to, to call to Him and He responds, Here am I, I'm here. There's another half dozen promises. Verse 11 The Lord will guide you always, He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Especially you think about Judea and the dry climate over there. What a wonderful image that would be. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If we allow ourselves to be brought it into other-centered fasting, then the Lord will open up these inflows to enrich and equip our own lives. Guidance, knowing what's best to do under the circumstances, informed by His Word, biblical truth. Having our needs satisfied. Notice it says needs, not our greeds. Our needs satisfied. Receiving strength for our physical being. Being like a spring or well. Our, our life has an outflow. We're net positive in others' lives. There's so much tearing down these days. Negativity, cynicism, complaining. By contrast, we are blessed to be rebuilders, raising up others, helping our community, going beyond our own little cozy cocoon to bring something positive to others. Here's an application for today's sermon. coming on board through prayer or materially with the work of International Justice Mission. Some quick facts. Over 40 million people are held in slavery today around the world. One in four slaves is a children. That's 10 million kids we're talking about. Human trafficking generates about $150 billion a year, two-thirds from commercial sexual exploitation. IJM is the largest international anti-slavery organization in the world. 
They have rescued more than 49,000 people from oppression. International Justice Mission has trained more than 67,000 justice system officials to recognize and respond to violence since 2012. And they've seen more than 1,600 convictions against slave owners, rapists, and other criminals. Their goal today on Freedom Sunday across Canada is to raise $24,600, which would cover the cost for three different rescue operations, breaking the yoke of oppression. Now, we have a 12-minute video with the Canadian executive director who shares a story about Gowry, a woman in India who persevered and, with God's help, found liberation from being locked in servitude. Hi, my name is Anu George Kanjana and so delighted to have the honor of sharing with you today. I'm the Executive Director of International Justice Mission Canada. International Justice Mission exists to end slavery in our lifetime. We do this by rescuing and restoring victims, bringing criminals to justice and strengthening the justice system around the world. Our offices around the world addresses different types of casework ranging from forced labor to sex trafficking. Before moving to Canada, I was working in the field office of IGM in Chennai and Delhi. My team and I have had to see grave evils in our line of work. The atrocities going on around the world are definitely tragic. Our work is hard, our work is heavy, but my goodness, it is worth it. I know of another woman who was enslaved by the brutal industry. This woman's strength is unrivaled, Gauri. She has become a dear friend to me over the years. Her, the wrinkles on her face had stories of significant pain, but when she smiles, it all disappears. Her eyes light up because she knows hope. When we met Gauri, she had already been enslaved for 10 years, also in India. Before becoming a widow, Gauri's husband Kumar had been working in a Britain. After Gauri gave birth to her, their first child, Kumar went to his bosses and asked for an advance to cover Gauri's medical expenses. He was seeking 25,000 rupees, about 341 USD. The owner granted Kumar's request with a condition that the only type of repayment he would give was in form of manual labor by Kumar and Gauri. And so Kumar and Gauri agreed on this arrangement. And that is how they became slaves. If this sounds similar to Urmila's story, good. It means you're listening. Far too often, this is the story. Same story, different characters. Thousands upon thousands of people merely looking to provide a better life for their families. In seeking to do so, they become trapped. The owner of the Brickin paid Gauri and Kumar 15 rupees, about 20 cents per person per day making sure that they would never be able to repay their debt. They could hardly pay to feed their children. And so it began every day. The laborer cut six tons of wood by hand and loaded it for shipment. If you're injured, the owner would add more debt to your account and it would cover the cost for treatment. If you were even allowed to receive a treatment, that is. When Gauri wanted to enroll her oldest daughter in school, the owner not only refused, 
by force, but forced the girl to work by cleaning the branches, trunks and roots of the trees they used for wood. She was five years old. To make matters worse, the owner was physically abused. Gauri is a mother like me and like many of you. So she fought, not for herself, oh no. She fought for her children. She insisted on freedom, on justice and was relentless in her fight to get it. But I want you to make a note of something, friends. It was a fight. Gauri stood up to the owner because she believed that everyone around her was entitled to basic human rights. But as any good mom does, she made a point to stand for her family. Unfortunately, this enraged the owner who then tied her in a cowshed for an entire day as punishment. He beat her and kicked her in the stomach. Her hands and legs were tied to a pole. She couldn't get up because she had been in a sitting position the entire day that she was in the cowshed. Gauri told IGM's aftercare workers that she used to wonder if someone would rescue her. She said she felt as if God had abandoned her. She then admitted to the numerous times she cried her sorrows all alone. She could have given up. She could have said, this is my life and this is all it will ever be. She could have just given up on living altogether, but no, she didn't. She fought back. She was relentless, just like the persistent widow. You see, being relentless means that you don't give up even when it's difficult. Even when you keep getting beaten down, it means you keep getting up. You keep praying. You keep having faith in the God who sits on the throne today, tomorrow and forever. And you trust that the very promises he made his beloved church, he will see to its completion. To better illustrate her pursuit of justice, please watch the short video of Gauri with me.
யார் அடிச்சது எங்க அடிச்சது நான் தான் நான் சொல்லிட்டு என் மூணு பிள்ளைங்களும் ஓனாயிடுச்சு அந்த கோபத்தோட போயிட்டு நான் தானே சண்டை போட்டேன் ஏன் என் பிள்ளைங்களை அடிக்கிற எதுக்காக அடிக்கிற என்னை மின்னா விட்டுட்டு அந்த ஆள் பின்னாடி வந்து கட்டையால அடிச்சு எனக்கு இப்ப அந்த தைரியம் எப்படி வந்துச்சுன்னா அந்த ஆள் அடிச்சதுனால தைரியம் வந்துச்சு எந்த தவறும் இல்லாம அந்த ஆள் மேல தப்பு இருந்தா நம்ம கேட்கலாம் நியாயம் நொம்ப பக்கம் இருக்குது எதனால நம்பணும்னா அங்க வந்து ஒரு வாட்டி நாங்க போன் பண்ணும் போது எங்களை வந்து பார்த்தாங்க எனக்கு தைரியம் சொன்னாங்க நீ பயப்படாத கௌரி உனக்கு பக்கத்தோனே நாங்க இருக்கோம் நாங்க கண்டிப்பா உன்னை காப்பாத்துவோம் நீங்க நல்லா இருக்கணும் நாங்களா வேண்டுவேன் ரொம்ப சந்தோஷமா இருக்கேன் ஏன்னா என் பிள்ளைங்க படிக்கிறதுனால எனக்கு இன்னும் ரொம்ப சந்தோஷமா நான் ஏத்து கத்துக்குதுங்க நல்லா சந்தோஷமா இருக்குதுங்க எதுனா ஒரு கம்பெனி வேலைக்கு போகணும் எதுனா ஒரு டாக்டர் ஆகணும் எதுனா டீச்சர் ஆகணும் அதுக்கு நல்லா படிச்சு நல்லா நெகல்ல தான் வேலை செய்யணுமா தவிர என்னமே சுதந்திரமா நிம்மதியா சந்தோஷமா இருக்கேன் நாலு பேர்கிட்ட நல்லா பேசுறேன் சிதிக்கிறேன் ஆடம்பரமா இருக்கேன் ஒரு தாயா இருக்கிறதுனால எனக்கு ரொம்ப பெருமையா இருக்குது take note of that today once gauri and her fellow slaves were rescued the former owner began harassing them daily he went so far as to threaten to burn down their homes while they were gone they feared an end so even when justice was delivered to them life didn't instantly become easy their lives were still incredibly difficult and they still felt trapped and enslaved by this monstrous slave master but what the video does show us is that gauri prayed she prayed and she never stopped she never stopped she never stopped after gauri's husband died and she became a widow she didn't see her new status as a crutch instead she was even more emboldened to fight for justice on behalf of others today gauri shares a story to those in her community she counsels other women in her church specifically those experiencing domestic violence she brings great strength and empathy as she sits with them to provide both physical and emotional support why because that's the call of the church to pursue justice for others relentlessly to continuously go back to god in prayer in faith that his heart is for justice and dear friends it is our father's heart is for justice it is in our inheritance as his children but we must be both persistent and relentless as we pursue it may we be like the persistent widow May we have faith when we pray, expectant of what our God, our Father will do. And now, my friends, I would love to invite you to join us in the work of justice. You see, the stories I've shared today are nothing short of miracles, but each miracle is made possible by the movement of God and the work of His people. 
It is our great hope to raise $24,600 this year to fund three rescue operations to rescue and restore people trapped in bond and labor slavery like Urmila and Gauri. You and your church can provide everything that our field teams need, from initial investigations to immediate aftercare, to rescuing children and families from slavery. Funding a rescue operation will help us investigate cases with local law enforcement, bring children and families to safety, and collect evidence to effectively prosecute slave owners. Give today at igm.ca slash rescue operation. Your gifts, no matter how big or small, will help send rescue to those trapped in bond labor slavery today. Thank you for joining me today on Freedom Sunday and thank you for supporting the global work of justice through IGM Canada.